All right, we are now uh, at the very beginning of Acts 22, uh, with Acts 21 having us um, follow Paul to Jerusalem, where he accounts, uh, where he makes his way uh, at different places on his way to Jerusalem, encouraging uh, Christians and telling them about his missionary journeys. Um, then he gets to Jerusalem, and he uh is in the temple, but there are Israelites or Jews from elsewhere <laughs> in there and think that he's done brought a Gentile into the temple. So there's mass chaos and confusion and violence and a, um, a cohort of centurions gets involved. And so he, we ended at the end of this chapter where He's about to give his address uh, there uh, on the steps um, before the barracks. So let's start with prayer, and then uh, we will look at, start in 22. Oh, I'm going to let David wait in before I start praying. <laughs> in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen, O Christ our God, open our hearts and minds to your word. Uh, allow us to see within your word uh, a word for us that we may not only grow in knowledge, but it grow in faith, hope, and love. Uh, and may your Holy Apostle Paul ever intercede for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and read some of the verses in 22. Why? All right. Who would like to read the first five at least right now? I can start. Okay, please. Brethren and fathers, hear the defense which I now make before you. And when they heard that he addressed them in the Hebrew language, they were more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born at Tarsa in Tarsus in, Tarsus in Cilicia, but Not brought Tartar. up <laughs> no, or Tardis either, um, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as you all are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priests and the whole council of elders bear me witness. From them, I received letters to the brethren, and I journeyed to Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. You want to keep, keep on going? Go six to sure. six. What do you want me uh, to 16. Okay. Yes, ma'am. As I made my journey and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus. 
and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And when I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And in that very hour, I received my sight on him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the just one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So right before we prayed, we did a little uh, brief overview of Paul's journey to Jerusalem. Uh, the pit stops or the, the places where he stopped and encouraged and exhorted the brethren and told them uh, about the good news of the inclusion of the Gentiles and their reception of the gospel there. Um, this riot uh, goes back in many ways to the very beginning. Uh, this, the riot, how do I mean by get back to the very beginning? We're back to where Acts began, right? Mm. We're back in Jerusalem. Uh, and do you remember um, what the dialogue between Christ and the apostles before Pentecost? Sorry, I'm trying to get there in another, in an actual physical Bible instead of just a screen. There's a particular thing that our Lord says that I want to. What were they concerned about at the beginning of uh, Acts when they were talking to our Lord? That was a long time ago, right? That was more than 20 weeks ago. <laughs> so. Verse six of chapter one says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him that him being Jesus saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to, to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to, to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the whole understand their understanding of the kingdom had to be transformed and they are to receive the Holy Spirit and then go throughout the whole earth to the ends of the earth. Well, so far in Acts, we have seen much of this fulfilled. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. They've gone into Judea, Samaria. They've gone into Asia Minor. Uh, the mission of the spreading of the kingdom has been occurring. Um, when you get Pentecost, you then have uh, a glorious outpouring upon Jews who are assembled there from out all of Asia Minor. What I find fascinating in this entire uh, um, sermon that basically Paul is giving is this is kind of the uh, the book into Peter sermon in uh, Jerusalem at Pentecost. How does, how does uh, Paul get uh, in this situation 
What does it think that, what do they think that has uh, gone wrong? That he brought a Gentile into the temple. Who is it that thinks that he did that? Uh, hold on a second. Reed, where are you at? You should, you, you got this. But Reed wasn't Sorry. here last week. I was muted. Yeah, but I mean, it was, um, it, it was the crowd of Jews in the temple, right? Yes, where are they from? Oh, not from Jerusalem. They were from... Not from Jerusalem. Yeah. You have a very similar gathering of Jews again, and they are now upset about the temple. Um, so you have this kind of echo of Pentecost, your echo of our Lord, as we've talked about throughout these classes, the echoes of our Lord's ministry being replayed through the lives of Peter and Paul and the apostles and the church. Um, but I, I think <clears throat> what is the other thing that is fascinating? What language? They're, they're very specific about the languages here. What language does he speak to them in? <clears throat> Hebrew. Hebrew. And Pentecost, what is the question about? That all the people in different tongues are able to understand. So in you have languages. Exactly. You have this fascinating, um, I, I don't know if I would call it inverse of Pentecost, but this fascinating kind of like echo of Pentecost or a chance for conversion, but this isn't going to go well. Um, <clears throat> so why, why do you think um, Paul is recounting his conversion here? Let, but before that, let me, why do you think he gives them his pedigree? Because he knows his audience. So he's building up his, uh, I'll say authority, right? Or that his ethos can be accepted by them that they know, like, he's like, guys, I really am one of you. <laughs> do, do you all know uh, Gamaliel was mentioned earlier in the book of Acts uh, he was the one who stood up and said, basically, like, let's calm down and see what actually happens of this with this before we get ourselves in a mess. Mm -hmm. um, Gamaliel is very important, actually, in the Jewish tradition. He's mentioned the Mishnah. Uh, and I believe I forget what the relationship to Hillel is. I, he's either the son of Hillel or the father of Hillel, who is uh, has plays a prominent role in um Jewish uh, Mishnah as well. So Paul has, he went to the Harvard of um, <laughs> Jewish educational uh, institutions or rabbis, as it were. Um, he has the pedigree. Uh, he was zealous. He was a Pharisee, right? As you'll talk in, an, in one of his epistles, he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Um, and he persecuted the Christians. And not only that, he had, not only was he a Pharisee and he sat at Gamaliel, but he even had the express permission and authority of the high priest and the whole council of elders to bear witness to who he is. He's not an unknown, um, he's not a Galilean <laughs> peasant. He's Paul of Tarsus. Um, so when he, uh, as he's recounting his conversion experience, um, 
this isn't in many ways a, a kind of um, Pentecost sermon in the sense of he is talking about the resurrected Lord. He doesn't go through um, kind of as we've seen in the different um, histories of Israel, the sermons where they give a history of Israel and God's providence and bringing them to it and then kind of a defense of the crucifixion and, and resurrection we have kind of a mini Israel in Paul. He is a Jew of the Jews, and his experience of the resurrected Lord is what he's going to share with them. So it's not um, you were the ones who crucified him, but the Lord came to me and talked to me about why I was persecuting him. And then he talks about Ananias and his knee, the, the going blind, receiving his his um, sight back, but also that he was baptized and washed away uh, sins and called on the name of Jesus Christ, uh, that this was, as verse 14 says here in this chapter, that the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will. Um, this restoration in the way that we began this with in Acts 1 with Jesus saying, it is not for you to know the will of God about times and things, but there is, this is what God has appointed to you to know, is to see the just one and to hear him and to obey him. And that Paul is then going to be a witness for him to all men. All right, I just talked a whole lot, so I'm going <laughs> to. Is there anything of these, this is Paul's sermon here or um, apologia that jumps out at you? Well, I mean, it really strikes me that he doesn't consider himself to have quit being a Jew. Right. And as he's going to say in further defenses, he's believing what the Jews have always believed. He's, he's not gone off to something else. He's, in fact, embracing what he always was part of as a Jew. Yep. And I find it striking um, when Christ appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, well, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And of course, Saul was persecuting the church. And this emphasizes something that I think I've read elsewhere, that the church is the extension of the incarnation through time. Yes. And so in persecuting the church, he truly is persecuting Christ. The one who has promised the Messiah, the whole point of his, you know, the expectation of what they were waiting for. Mm -hmm. And in coming to the church, we've come to Christ. Yes. And, and united ourselves to him. Is that exclusively the Orthodox Church? <laughs> what? <laughs> hi, David. Uh, hi. <laughs> and uh, excuse me for looking sideways, but I got myself a nice big monitor for my. Uh, That's okay. For my laptop. So you went to an ecclesiological question far from the text. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I well, I don't know. I just popped into my head. We can bypass it and come to it some other time. I don't mind. About what it is. Well, Reed's talking about you come to the church, come to Christ. And, and, and so my question is, so is that only the Orthodox Church? I, I still favor the language of fullness. Uh, the practice that we um, ah. already do in the way that we receive converts, uh, which is typical throughout the Russian church, or Slavic churches, and most of the Greek churches. Uh, by that, I mean there's some outliers here or there, and this is kind of a debate about this. Um, you were all received through chrismation, correct? <clears throat> right. So right. I'm there, not baptized. No. There, there, you are already baptized. Right. So there is an already acceptance that you are a part of the body of Christ in some sense. Uh, but not in the fullness to be able to be reconciled to the fullness of the church, the historic apostolic church. Now, this tension in that makes some people very much want to, uh, how shall I say this, pull up all of the um, bridges and uh, fill the moat, uh, ready the catapults, etc., and basically say, we must reject all baptisms that out happen outside of the Orthodox Church. Yes, I understand. The problem is that Basil and the early fathers, depending on what the situation was, accepted baptisms and did it reconciled people to the church if they were, and there was basically like levels. If you were a Trinitarian, like, you know, confessing, Jesus Christ, and you've been baptized, and you're kind of a schism, you could be received back through chrismation. Uh, if you had apostatized um, or gone off with some, you know, complete heresy, then they might have some other issues. And you were, you were baptized into that, that heretical group, you'd be baptized. Mm -hmm. So this, the, the challenge we have is there was no such thing as Protestantism. <laughs> there was no such thing as the Roman Catholic Church up until like six or 700 years. I mean, we can even debate what exactly Roman Catholic Church means, but I don't want to get too far afield. Um, no, that's, yeah. But I, I think that it's safe to say um, to encounter Christ, uh, you can encounter Christ um, in a Baptist church, and I'm thankful that you can encounter Christ in a Baptist church, I would just think, like we've already encountered here in the book of Acts. Here we go. I'm going to tie it all back in. There are those who didn't have the fullness or they didn't have uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit in the way. They didn't have the full teaching, and they needed to be taught uh, and have the humility to be able to be brought into the fullness of what the revelation had been. They needed a system upgrade, <laughs> except they had to allow it. Right? They did. It didn't happen at night while they were asleep. Their computer was running. So, good answer. Yes, I don't like it when they they update my, the system at night when I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
let's keep going with Paul here. David, will you read 17? I'm just going to uh, 17 through 29. We'll try to grab 30. I just, I know you don't like it when I move, but I can't grab 30 in the screen. Okay. You got it? If you're done moving. I'm done moving, just for you. When I had returned to Jerusalem, was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get quickly out of Jerusalem because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in thee. And when the blood of Stephen, my witness, was shed, I was also standing by and approving and keeping the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, depart for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he ought not to live. And as they cried out and waved their garments and threw dust into the air, their tribune commanded him to be brought into the barracks and ordered him to be examined by scourging to find out why they shouted thus against him. But when they had tied him up with the thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went to his trip through the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do for this man is a Roman citizen? So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. The tribune answered, I, brought this, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. But Paul said, but I was born a citizen. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him instantly. And the tribune was also afraid for he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Were you going to flip it so I could read 30? Sure. There you go. But on the morrow, desiring to know the real reason why the Jews accused him, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul, Paul down and set him before them. Wow. This Paul is one of the nobility. Yes. I mean, in more ways than one. Yes. Roman, a, Roman citizen. He's a perfect vessel. <laughs> So what gets the what gets the uh, Jews who listen? Perfect, to perfect, perfect vessel, killer of Christians, perfect vessel. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he's known before by God that this is, he was going to be the one. So what gets them riled up? That he claims that God sent him to the Gentiles. Oh man, why? What? What is the deal? Because this is the reason why they wanted to put him in, like tear him apart in the first place, right? That he in his, that he's undermining everything about Moses and the law. It's not. It's not because in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you, and the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, and I was there. It's because he's going to preach to the Gentiles. Well, it said up to this word they listened to him. And 22. 
Ah, yeah, so this sense. word is the last thing he said, which is I'm going to the Gentiles. That that's my guess. I could see maybe that when we you could say the word word and mean like the last sentiment or like the last thing that he was saying. Um, but I, I think that the, the, the idea that the blood of the martyr of Stephen and the synagogue and then that he sent away to the Gentiles because of, because of this, they, they, they just can't have it. Away with such a fellow from the earth for he ought not to live. Well, I think of when Peter first went to Cornelius and when he gets back to Jerusalem, there are those among the believers who are saying, hey, you went and, uh, you know, went to the house of the uncircumcised. And, and, yes. and I think he said maybe even ate with him. And when he first entered Cornelius's house, he says, now, you know how unlawful it is for me to be here. So there seems to be this very strong sense. We are Jews. We have nothing to do with the Gentiles. Yep. Except at sword point. <laughs> Which is fascinating because Paul is this kind of, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use the grad school word, liminal person. He, he, he crosses a lot of boundaries here. Like, yeah, he's a Jew of Jews. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. Like he's committed. He, you know, Learned on the Gamaliel, he's also ready to shed blood for the faith, but he's also a Roman citizen. <laughs> like he he is a part of the enemy. Um, but this is, I think, this is a tension that Judaism. If you're familiar with Second Temple Jewish literature, a lot of their debates are all about their identity. Who are we, and how do we exist and survive? Um, uh, we already went through exile. Uh, we've got our, you know, got the kingdom back. We rebuilt the temple and then we had, uh, Antiochus, the fourth, the abominate, the desolation. Uh, they're just, then you have, if you want to get even closer to time, like the Maccabean revolt, like you have all of this. Yeah. Then you can look at the book of Daniel to not go outside of, a, you know, what we typically understand as canonical literature. And the whole idea of the identity that they don't eat particular foods uh, is an easy way for us to get kind of wrap our mind around. Um, you know, I think I said in the first few classes that a lot of their debates around what, uh, circumcision was because of the Roman baths, that they would have been known to be Jews pretty obviously. Uh, and so you've got a conundrum. Do you keep the law or do you not in order to get to survive? So, and you've got zealots running around. So th this is, this hits on a, a deep, deep issue. And the, the kind of, it's like a crisis for what, what's the point of Israel? Paul and Christianity, as it will take Paul's one kind of driving this home and say this is what uh, scriptures and the prophets were saying from the beginning. We just kind of lost sight of this, that the temp, like all of this was for everyone. Our election or us being the elect people of God does not mean that we get to keep it all and nobody else gets anything or blessings from God. Um, 
in the Messiah, that wall has been taken down and now it's open for everyone. But I think we're all familiar enough with uh, religion as it plays out, even in Christianity, of us versus them or the settled nature of things versus some newness and how do we incorporate something that we are it's foreign to us so he was talking to jews who had accepted christ as the messiah not no. here not here not here not here Boy. these are the ones who wanted to take kill him i'm so confused chapter 21 he went into the temple and a bunch of jews thought he brought a gentile there so they made yeah. a huge scene and then the soldiers came and got him and now he's talking to the ones who wanted to drag him out and beat him up. That's who he's talking to. Right. Okay. So they're not Christians. No, okay. Well, and I guess we also have may be in play here that um, the whole reason that Paul was going and doing the things, well, not the whole reason, he was particularly doing some things in the temple, paying for these other men to have their heads shaved and whatever, to demonstrate to his detractors that no, he himself had not abandoned being a Jew, nor was he encouraging other Jews to abandon it. Right. And so you have to imagine that all of this is in the minds of the crowd that he's speaking to as well. That when he says, oh, he was being sent to the Gentiles, they're hearing, oh, you're out there trying to turn all the Jews in diaspora to Gentiles. Right. Or something like that. Yeah, destroying. I mean, this is the same thing that Paul, so we've got the Gentile version of this, right? Paul's destroying the gentile way of life because the idols have got to come down mm -hmm. paul's destroying the idols of his, the jews in jerusalem what they think the point of the temple and all of this is for the world is being turned upside down as we read a few chapters ago it certainly is Paul is a smart man and he uses his opportunity, like his ability to take full advantage of all the advantages he can. So when it comes down to, am I going to get scourged or not? He's going to opt for the uh, Roman citizen card uh, to get himself, get out of jail free. I don't know if he collected $200, but <laughs> at least got himself a, a, a uh, as we'll see, a, uh, a free trip to Rome. I guess you can, it depends on how you count free, but. <laughs> Though it's interesting, he didn't seem to protect himself from a beating in Philippi this way. Yes. This may be the way he's realized that he could possibly get himself to Rome. He's got to complete his journey to Jerusalem. And now he's got to go to the ends of the world. Because we see this in the, in the epistles, right? He'll talk about this language, his desire to go places. And we've seen this in the book of Acts. 
his desire to go someplace, the Holy Spirit will say, nope, not today. You're going this direction. Mm -hmm. Let's get into the next chapter. I feel like we can... to rearrange my screens to be able to well and it's also interesting here it becomes relevant to, to know that paul was speaking to them in hebrew yes because that's why the romans still have no clue what's going on right they just think and, he's a rabble rouser and am i right in thinking that the the, the everyday language that people spoke there would have been aramaic and speaking Hebrew would have been sort of like using, you know, the language of the temple and the synagogue. Like ecclesiastical Latin. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was just thinking of, ecclesiastical Latin, I've seen. Yeah, or like yeah. church Slavonic. Mm -hmm. I think you're right, Reed. I have seen Roman Catholic priests speak to each other in ecclesiastical Latin, so nobody knows what they're talking about. Father Stephen and I cannot converse in Church Slavonic, so <laughs> <laughs> you will always have to know what we're talking about. Well, that's pretty lame. <laughs> Sorry. My name is not Father Dragon. Sometimes I've spoken to my students in plain English and they didn't know what I was talking about either. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Erica, you haven't read, right? I started reading. Oh, so everybody's ready. Or Reed hasn't read. Reed hasn't read. I've just talked Reed, a lot. Reed. Okay. How far? First 11 verses, please. Okay. Reed hasn't read. That sounds like we're confusing tenses or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God shall strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of the, a ruler of your people. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. With respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn in pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified about me at Jerusalem, so you must bear witness also at Rome. I continue my contention that we're seeing kind of an anti-Pentecost. Instead of an assembly of unity and the growth of the kingdom, we get here division and violence and uh, the opposite of Pentecost. We also have very much a kind of scene like Christ before uh, his accusers. Yeah. 
What do you make of Paul's interaction with uh, Ananias and not knowing? I just think it, sh it shows Paul's mm, I want to say courage or his, just his straightforwardness. I find myself wondering if he's playing very much the role of Pharisee of Pharisees here. Uh-huh. Like, okay, you know, we're here to deal with the law. I know the law. Let's talk about the law. Right. You whitewashed wall. I'm, I'm looking for a word. To, uh, I, can't, I can't find it. it it's not... I can't, I can't think of the word. It's not bold. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. And it's not tough. It's not... It's almost street. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like he's going to say, hey, Pony, uh, was it Pony Boy or whatever? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the name. What was that? What was that story? The Outsiders? Yeah. Pony Boy. Yeah. And Robert Frost uh, in there, too. Really? <laughs> so. He is it's, on kind of, it's kind of a watch it, buddy. It's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> and then he finds out he's Ananias and he goes, oh, well. It is written. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so he cites the law to them. I, I think it's interesting. It doesn't actually seem that he makes an apology there. Right. Like, oh, I didn't know he was the high priest. Yeah. Not to say that it still wasn't the right thing to say. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, it's not an apology. It's just that uh, I hate to use the word excuse, but that's kind of what it was. It was. He's kind of pulling a lawyer here on him. <laughs> well, and I think he does a great job. Uh, if you want to say, kind of in the same vein of law lawyering. Mm -hmm. uh, to say, you know what? I'm on trial for the resurrection of the dead. Mm. He is. Yeah. Well, I want to call that. <laughs> He's not lying. <laughs> oh, I want to call that lawyering. I call that politicking. Oh, there you <laughs> go. You know, okay, that's the way to set these people against each other. So that I can get out of here. Yeah. It's kind of a Trump thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, we just paralleled Paul and Trump. <laughs> Lord have mercy. It was too much fun not to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I, so I think it's interesting at all this. For, if, if for what it's worth, so I think it's interesting at all this. All this religious controversy is is the way the is the way Paul's being protected by the Romans. Right. The evil, rotten, horrible Romans. Uh, you know, who, who you're, not, you know, you're not supposed to like, right? But that's actually who shelters him. Yep. It's an, uh, you know, which 
if I could expand on that a little bit, that was the that was the interesting thing about Christ too. Uh, you know, the pilot, I find no fault in this man. It's uh, it's just interesting the way the Romans keep their distance from these religious disputes or try to. They just don't even understand what's going on. No, they don't. To them, you know, it's just another god, you know, and, and you're having your tribal quarrel. Exactly. You know, and, you know, if it was up to us, we'd just pick him up and take him back to Rome with all the other gods. But, except we go in the temple and there's nobody there. So. And yet you do have ones like Cornelius. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. What do you all make of verse 11? I just love the familiarity, I think. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified about me at Jerusalem, so you must bear witness also at Rome. Yeah, that's great. I love it. The Lord stood by him. Yeah. Which is interesting because up to this point, it's been a lot of the Holy Spirit has said this, the Holy Spirit direct me here the lord is standing next to him mm -hmm. i don't i don't think we can make too much of that right like that there's some you know super i mean there is a difference but they're working with one will here so yeah there is and there isn't mm -hmm. but you can kind of tell don't you think yes I, I, maybe it depends on how much spiritual experience you've had. I've had a few, and I know what you mean. Yeah, I could distinguish. I, I don't know if I would say that I've had spiritual experiences per se, but I, I think I, I think I there have been times where it seems something's coming from the Holy Spirit versus coming directly from the Lord. Yeah, I don't, know how, I don't know how to differentiate that besides the force of the command or the the just the, I don't know. Well, I have. Uh, it, 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 uh, I almost hate to say that. I, I'm, I'm always shy about talking about it. And maybe I shouldn't. No, I appreciate that. But, but, but I have. I, 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 I have felt his specific presence. Mm-hmm. So we've got quite a bit more left, and Reed's got to bounce in a few minutes. Ooh, I'm sorry. And I came in late. So we either say Reed's going to leave, and that's whatever, or we're coming up on 8.30 anyways. What do you all, what would you like to do? I don't want to go on without Reed. Yeah, well, that's I feel like we got to figure out the plot to kill Paul with Reed here. <laughs> so I say we end here at verse 12 for now. Yeah.